mean, I really, I really broke down and studied uh, deep on, on this opening chapters of Job. Uh, and I've really learned a lot through studying this uh, first couple of chapters of Job. I've learned a lot of getting slammed with the flu this time around. And uh, the Lord, how I many you know the Lord's always teaching you? He's always showing us things. And uh, just to kind of do a little bit of backtracking, you know, we're talking about walking in the blessing. We began talking about the blessed nation, the national blessing, and how God puts a hedge around what he blesses, a hedge of protection, right? And uh, we saw that. We went through all the scriptures. We, we, we started out by saying, you know, look, this, uh, this walking in the blessing, is, it's a choice, we said. Um, we can choose to walk in the blessing, and we can choose to be disobedient, and that opens us up to the cursing, Right? Now, one thing I wanted to make clear, and I think we did the second week, was that didn't mean to make this sound like, oh, if I make a little mistake, I'm out of the blessing. Uh, that's not it at all. As a matter of fact, that there's, there's a difference, not in the blessing, but there is a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we talked about how in the Old Testament, God said, if you want to walk in the blessing, you've got to obey every single commandment. And that was just it. Uh, but how many of you know now in the New Covenant, Christ fulfilled everything. Christ is a blessing, and so we enter that by faith. But what we talked about is faith in no way negates obedience, does it? Just because we enter the blessing by faith doesn't mean we don't still obey. It's when we get into disobedience, even if we still have faith in God, we can open ourselves up to these curses that have been here since Genesis, since the fall of man. We live in a cursed world. And so, and Pastor has taught on this many times that, um, you know, we, we as Christians, uh, we're far too far short of all the things that Christ died to give us. And that's, that's the blessing. The blessing is all the good things in Christ. And so, tonight as we move away from the national blessing and this hedge that God puts around nations. And we talked about last time how America's hedge has started to dwindle away because of our disobedience and our turning away from God. Remember those charts we put up there that so clearly depicted when we took prayer out of school? Every one of those charts just, boom. I mean, all hell broke loose, literally. And God, it's like God saying, okay, you know, I'm just stepping back. My hands are tied. And so the, the hedge of protection began to slowly dissolve. We talked about that um, throughout history until 9-11 happened. And then our nation's under attack now, worse than ever, from within. But, uh, you know, we're under attack right now. Our elections are under attack. We're, we're literally under attack from foreign countries. And a lot of people don't even realize it. But uh, that's all a result of being disobedient to God. Now, we're going to go move into the individual blessing tonight. And how many of you know, we, I talked about uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago because we didn't have church last week. 
giving you an analogy of the hedges on a national level and on an individual level. Remember I mentioned the movie uh, Independence Day? And, and they're, they're in those spaceships, they're in their airplanes, and they're firing at that big mothership, and they're like, there's a shield up, and their bombs did nothing because like, there's this shield on this mothership. And that's a great sign of the national blessing. You know, God blesses, and the devil might try to throw darts and shoot at us, but it's just going to hit that, that shield, of that hedge of blessing, and it's not going to have any effect. But then they released all their ships in counterattack, and so they start shooting those ships, and they had shields too. So that's a great analogy of the individual blessing. Even though, and what I'm trying to get at is even though America has plummeted and the hedge of blessing is deteriorating, it doesn't mean our individual hedge of blessing has to deteriorate, right? And so we talked about all of that. I would suggest go back and listen to the podcast if you uh, missed. It's worth listening to. Both of them are very good. Now, <clears throat> let's just open up. Bev, have you got our scriptures in Job? Let's just open up and, and just read these first 12 verses. There was a man in the land of Uz where, whose name was Job, and that man was a blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep. Now, see, we're looking at, hey, this man's blessed, right? I mean, we talked about prosperity as part of that blessing. Uh, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Now, before we go on, I'm gonna, I want to, I said I really studied this because for years I've tried to figure out, I've even taught, what is it that opened up Job to this attack? I mean, it had to be something, you know, and... Uh, one of the things was, you know, because he says later on in here that I, I, I'm going to pray. I'm always offering sacrifices for his children, having these in case they made God upset somehow in their festivities. But through several commentaries and Hebrew theologians, I've, they all pretty much agree these are just birthday parties. Yeah, these aren't wild orgies. They're family-oriented get-togethers. They're asking their sisters to come over on their appointed day, means the day that they were born. So when one of the brothers would have a birthday, they'd invite their brothers and sisters over, and they'd have a little festival. And, you know, it was, you know, theologians don't believe they were revelry, you know. And so another one of the things was, I was like, well, maybe it's the fear deal because that, Thing I have greatly feared has come upon me. Remember, Job said that. Uh, so maybe fear opened the door. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. The Bible doesn't really tell us. All it just says is Job greatly feared, and that thing he greatly feared came upon him. But it's just a guess at best. That Through deep study of these scriptures, it appears that 
you just have to guess at those, and they're not for sure. It's not something I'm going to teach from now on. I have taught before that fear opened the door. The reason why I'm saying that is because here I just got stuck, struck with the flu. And, you know, I haven't been sick in I don't know how many years. And then, you know, when COVID came, I ended up getting that. It took a year of COVID being around. I, I got that. And then this year I got the flu. And I'm like, me and Pam both are like, we're believing God for healing. And healing didn't come. And we're like, so we're, we're hitting our face. God, did we open the door? Holy Spirit, speak to us. How did we open the door? Help us. We want to close the door to the enemy. And really, the Holy Spirit said, no, you didn't really open the door. This is just something I'm allowing in your life right now. And it's, it's a very humbling thing. Uh, so one of the things we talked about here in this blessing is we've we got to be careful because we can stumble out of the blessing so easily because the devil's very tricky. And I even talked about we can, have, we can have too much confidence in our knowledge of the scriptures. See? And, but God doesn't want to. Yes, do we need to have knowledge of scriptures? Yes. But there should be no confidence in that. I can misinterpret scripture. I can get things wrong. I, I don't know anything. And so this is really what the Holy Spirit began to share with me is that these are some of the things he's teaching me right now. And as, you know, this is why his timing on this story of Job is so perfect. Because we're going to see Job did nothing to deserve this. Nothing. Yet it came upon him. And that the fact is, bad things happen to good people. And the only reason why they do is because God allows it. If God didn't want it to happen to you, he wouldn't let it happen to you. Now, does that mean there's... Look, I'd say 70% of the time in my life I've been able to praise or worship off or, or, or battle off sickness when it hits me. This time I couldn't. I don't know why. Does that change the word? Nope. I'm still going to preach that my sins are forgiven along with my sickness and disease. It, uh, Jesus took it all. I don't know why things worked out the way they did, but I'll tell you what, I've learned from it. I'm a little more humble now. That's a good thing. And, and I'm, I'm immune now to the flu that's going around. That's a good thing. I don't have to worry. You know, so God brought me through this. You know, I knew I wasn't scared. I wasn't afraid I was going to die. I just had the flu. All right, let's go on. Verse 5. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus Job did regularly. So as they had these festivities, he would regularly sanctify and offer sacrifices for them just in case they had done something maybe to offend God. So he's standing in the gap for his family. And now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. 
And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made, here it is, a hedge round about him? There's the individual blessing. See, Job's supremely blessed. Satan says, yeah, I've seen him. You've got him protected. He's worth, that's the only reason why he's faithful to you, because you've blessed his socks off. That's, what Satan, that's the argument going on here. That you've got a hedge around him and around his household and around all that he has on every side. Man, that's what the blessing will do. Is that not cool? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Wow. So the only way this hedge is going to come down is if God allows it. And as long as that hedge is up, Satan could do nothing. Satan was powerless to do anything to Job. He had to get permission from God to get that hedge down. And God kept him on a short lease and said, Okay, but you can't touch Job himself. I hope and pray that the devil never goes up and says, Have you, <laughs> that Terry, did he just, he just worship you in vain? Because you've got a hedge around about him. <laughs> I hope the Lord doesn't say, well, he's all yours. For... No, I don't know. But if the Lord deems it necessary, let it be. Let it be. This is one of the things I've learned through this whole lesson. And, you know, I'm sitting here sick. Really, this was a tough flu to get through. It was tough. I won't lie to you. And uh, I just remember, I just said, Lord, I don't understand all this. I'm healed as far as I'm concerned by the stripes of Jesus. I just lay myself on the altar, and I'm laying here dead. You do with me what you want. You want to you kill me. Kill me. If that's pleasing to you, if you, whatever you want to do, I'm yours. I'm totally submitted to you. And I think that's someplace where we all need to learn to be comfortable, to be at. Remember Job even said uh, in 13, uh, 13, 15, you know, he's sitting here arguing with his friends, and they're saying, you've done something wrong. You've opened the door somehow, Job. He says, no. Hold your peace with me and let me speak. Then let me come on what may. That Come on what may. Why do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he may slay me, yet I will trust him. We've got to get to that place. Uh, the Hebrew children, remember, when, when the, the, the Nebuchadnezzar said, that, or, or the, the, the king said that you've got to worship when this, this image, and, and they said, we're not going to worship that image. Our Lord won't allow it, and he'll deliver us. 
And I love that what they said next, though. But even if he doesn't, I still ain't going to worship. You can kill me. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to curse God. He's awesome. And you just do what you want. Do what you want. I'm, I'm dead anyway. You can't hurt me. Hallelujah. It's in God's hands. That's what I'm trying to say. It's in God's hands. Do I want to die? No. But literally, I'm already dead. I've laid myself on the altar as a living sacrifice, and I'm dead. I'm alive in Christ, but I'm dead. The old Terry Harris is dead. And I'm really getting a revelation of that for the first time. Let's fill in some blanks. Number one, it says, in seen in Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, we may be certain that the blessing does not exclude one from tests, trials, or calamity. See, it's possible to be supremely blessed, as we see Job was, and to have calamity fall on you, tests. Was God, do you think, God testing some things in Job? Certainly. This wasn't just a... a there's no reason behind what God allowed. There's always a reason behind what God allows or disallows in our life. Uh, so, number two, the hedge of blessing may only be penetrated by God's approval or allowance. And you know what? I find great comfort in that. Sometimes God's going to allow your hedge to be penetrated because sometimes you're going to be tested. Sometimes there's going to be a trial facing you and God's going to allow it and he's going to have a purpose in that. And that's what we need to remember. Number three, as those blessed by God, we may experience times and or even seasons when God seems distant or absent. This is a big one. I'm sure as Job's three friends for the next 40 chapters (laughs) are accusing him and boasting their wisdom, he's like, God, where are you? (laughs) What happened? But you know, it's amazing In all of this, Job did never sin. That's what the Bible says. In all this, Job never sinned. Um, Wow. Uh, Number two, the hedge of blessing may only be penetrated by God's approval or allowance. And number three, as those who are blessed by God, we may experience times and or even seasons when God seems distant or absent. You ever been there before? I mean, through this flu deal, man, I mean, I really cried out to God. We are really, you know, because we take this seriously. I mean, I expect my prayers to be answered. I expect my confession to be honored. By heaven, uh, whatsoever I bind on earth, I expect it to be bound in heaven. And so it's only right that we should 
seek God uh, when something like this happens. And after days of seeking God, that's what the Holy Spirit's been showing me these things, you know. And he brought me to this story of Job, which is perfect with this teaching. I mean, Holy Spirit has orchestrated this whole thing. Man. Now, number four, it is during these seasons of severe testing, it is vitally important to choose our words wisely. Now, this is something we've talked about in our last couple of lessons, and I want to spend a little time here, and we're going to move away from Job for just a minute before we get back to Job. But you remember in, when we were talking about the national blessing where God says, I call heaven and earth this day as witnesses, right? And how uh, Jesus in the New Testament, he says that... Um, It's by your own words you'll either be justified. By your words you'll either be condemned. So it's amazing that at Job 1.22 it says, In all this Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. This is amazing to me because, (laughs) well, he hadn't even got to the bad part yet. At the end of chapter 1, remember because God said you can't touch Job. I mean, he lost all of his prosperity and everything. But uh, man, you're, and then your, your kids go, and then next thing you know, you're struck with sickness and disease all over your body. But it's watching your mouth during this. You can bet this is one of the things God was testing in Job right here. Because, because Satan accused him. Well, he's only, he's only loyal to you because you've got him protected. Take that protection down. Let me inflict him, and he'll curse you. But he didn't. He didn't. And listen, I've, I've, I don't know that I'd say I've cursed God necessarily before, but I've, like, severely questioned God. What are you doing, Lord? But you know what? This time around, I've come to the place where it doesn't matter what he's doing. It's none of, really, it's none of my business. Does the clay... Say to the potter, what are you making? No. He's just a lump of clay. And he sits there and he'd be shaped by the master as the master sees fit. And when we get to that place, God can start to use us. Hallelujah. Woo. Well, let's go to Numbers 14 because out of your own mouth, You're going to be judged by the very word you speak. And this is probably one of the best examples of God doing just that. See, he's giving Job an opportunity here. He's calling all of heaven and earth to witness this. So much so that he put it in the Bible for the ages to come to continue to witness this. To see what's going to come out of Job's mouth. And what's going to come out of his mouth is going to determine his blessing or he's going to be cursed. Now, here's with the children of Israel who came out into the wilderness. God's delivered them from slavery. (coughs) Excuse me. And they began to murmur and complain against God because there wasn't enough water. There wasn't any food. It was uncomfortable in the desert. And nothing was right for them. 
And it says, they begin to say, how long, God says that they're complaining, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Now listen to this. Wait, go back. I had, no, back up. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Okay? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have what? Spoken in God's hearing. So I will do to you. This is a prime example of God saying, letting you determine your own judgment. Let's go on to the next couple of... The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness, all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would take you and make you dwell in, except Joshua and Caleb. And the only thing that separated Joshua and Caleb was faith-filled words. Not accusing God, not questioning God, even though things looked like maybe different than what they had pictured the blessing to look like, they didn't accuse God. They didn't question God. And they got to enjoy the blessing. The only two out of the whole generation. That's powerful. The rest of them were judged by what came out of their mouth. You know, this outcome for Job could have been totally different had he started whining along with his three friends. You know, it's one thing the devil inflicted him the way he did. Then he brings three friends along to hoax you on and to really get you to open your mouth now. And now you can do some venting, Job. You've got every right in the world to vent. Let's hear it, Job. Lay it on me. What is it you're doing wrong? You've done something. God's mad at you. God, this, whatever it is. They, but nope, in all of that, Job never sinned. Wow. That blows me away. Let's go to 2 Samuel. This is the story of Nathan confronting King David after he had murdered Bathsheba's husband who had more honor and dignity than David himself. You remember the story. David did everything he could to get him to sleep with his wife after David had impregnated her so that he would not think something was afoul here knowing he had not slept with his own wife. But the man wouldn't do it. The man would not do it as long as his comrades were out on the battlefield in discomfort, no matter how comfortable Uh, David made him, he still stayed true to his comrades and refused to sleep with his wife. And so David just kills the man. And so Nathan the prophet comes to him. The Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and he said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other was poor. The rich men had exceedingly many flocks and herds But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup. 
and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And the traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But rather, he took the poor man's land and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I appointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from all the hand of Saul. He goes on to tell him, I gave you everything. I blessed you, David. I had the hedge of protection around you. You had everything just like the rich men in this story had. But rather than enjoying what I gave you, you had to take another man's prized possession. And out of his own mouth, his judgment comes. Isn't this amazing how God, God, this is one of the ways God tests us. He'll step back the hedge. He allows the devil to penetrate the hedge briefly to whatever degree God's going to allow. And then he's listening. What are we going to do? What are we going to say? Because that's going to determine the blessing or the cursing out of our own mouth. God doesn't even have to judge it. We're doing it ourselves. That's powerful. You know, another one, we won't go to the scripture, but it's uh, Exodus 10 when all the plagues on Egypt, and he's hitting Pharaoh with all these plagues. And the last one where Moses says, he tells him uh, to let my people go. And, and he says, he's, he, he, he's been fiddling around, kind of halfway doing it, and then he draws back. And he says, Moses, he finally says with his own words, you leave and don't come back. The next time I see your face, you're going to die. And it's out of those words that God used to kill the firstborn of all of Egypt And then when Pharaoh came after him, his whole army died. It was his own mouth that spoke his own judgment. So, again, it's just really important, as number four says, is during these seasons of severe testing, it's vitally important to choose our words wisely because those are what's determining the outcome of our immediate future. So uh, I've often said this before, uh, you know, if you don't like the place where you're at right now, check up on what you've been saying. The last time you were afflicted, what came out of this mouth? You know, we, we, we get to hurling so much stuff out of here, we forget how much negative stuff we curse ourselves with and curse our family with. You know, as James said, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Beloved, this ought not to be so. Um, so one of the things Lord's teaching Terry here is how to be a little more quiet. <laughs> Number five. If we suffer loss during the attack of the enemy... 
we may believe God will restore all that was lost and more. Why may we believe that? Because that's what he did to Job. We know how the story ends, don't we? Now, let's go, Ben, let's go to Job chapter 2. <coughs> because before we re- read chapter 2, I'm going to give you, um, let's fill in number 6. Most often, now this, this is really a revelation for some of y'all here. Most often, these trials and adversities may come in waves or stages. Most often, these adversities may come in waves or stages. In other words, it's not like the devil just goes boom and then, okay, I got past that. Okay, it's over, you know. No, no. Time and time again throughout the scriptures, you'll see. uh, Remember, um, well, with Pharaoh, for one, you know, it took ten plagues. And then he started, finally, he kind of let up and say, okay, well, you go out and leave the animals behind. No, Moses wouldn't compromise, you know. Then, you know, here comes another wave. And then, then when they finally get out and he finally lets them all go, then he changes his mind and backs them up against the, I mean, There's always these waves you can expect. After your, one of your greatest victories, don't just lay down and think, hallelujah, it's over, because that's when the devil comes for round two or three or four. Look at Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah. They start building the wall. They get all this opposition. The devil just attacks them because he doesn't want the walls and gates built. And then it says later on, after he fights them all off, they decide to put a sword in one hand and bricks in the other, and they're watching and they continue when it says when they got that halfway up and finished, then the attacks even increased more. And it, it just wave after wave of intimidation came against Nehemiah. Wave, well, look at here. Number, uh, chapter 2, 1. Here we have again. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord, just like chapter 1. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro throughout the earth and walking back and forth on it. Now look at this. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still... He holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yes, all that man has, yeah, he'll give for his life. In other words, Satan said, okay, you won that one. Sure, you were right. He didn't curse you. Okay, but let's, let's, just, let's strengthen Let's lengthen the, uh, let's, let's raise the stakes. Stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. Wow. 
See, this is a wave. These are waves. I'm sure by this time, Job is just like, he's, his head's starting to settle down a little bit, and he's like, wow. Little does he know what's going on in the heavenlies. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. And then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Boy, with wives like that, who needs <laughs> enemies? But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed, this man, listen to this. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? Wow. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Are we to just expect God's best and blessing only, and then just when something bad happens, we're, we're just, we fall apart, we question God? The clay trying to ask the potter what he's making. Nope. No, we really should be like Job, shouldn't we? I'm sure Job didn't understand why all this is going on. I still don't. I don't understand all other than I know that God is testing some things in Job. And Job is passing the test. Wow. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Have you reached that place yet? I mean, I, you know, it's, yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just sitting there minding your own business. Boom! And I'm telling you, I'm glad that God put me to this kind of test. There's nothing compared to what Jeff's had to go through. But I'm telling you, church, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from this. Not say that I still stand on healing. I stand on all those things. But listen, I've learned, I've learned probably one of the most important lessons is how to put myself as a living sacrifice on that altar and be dead. Dead. Whatever you want to do, God. Whatever pleases you. You know, we get it in our mind, when we're, especially when we're talking about blessing, all the good stuff. But you know, what did it say about God to his own son? It pleased him to bruise him. It pleased God to put upon him all the iniquities of, of mankind. It pleased him. What, what, what if that's you or me? Do we still want to be pleasing to God? Or is our pleasing God conditional on the condition that's just the comfortable blessing part? Wow. Number seven. The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Man,
verse 40, chapter 42, 10. It says, the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Wow. Because why? Because he passed the test in all that happened. Losing children, being inflicted with disease, losing all of his prosperity, homes being destroyed, everything, his whole life falling apart. And yet he never once questioned God's integrity. He never, he didn't even, he didn't even really start in questioning his own integrity. He said, I don't think I've done anything to deserve this, but you know what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Man, there, there's something to that, church. Well, I'm glad we got this out of the way. We're going to go on in the weeks to come talking more about the hedge of blessing individually in a little more positive light. But this, I think, is vitally important for us to get a hold of because especially in charismatic circles, we get so um, warmed up to the, the, the cushy blessing stuff. And that's good, and we should expect God's best. And God is good. He's been so good to me. Um, and I, I, I'm expecting him to continue to be good to me. But you know what? I wouldn't trade anything uh, that I've learned from these hardships in my life. And I look back on other hardships as well. I'm sure Jeff could testify of many lessons he's learned through this. And God, it doesn't matter what happens in our life. You know, I, I have said this before. I remember back when COVID was hitting. I said, you know, don't get into fear over all that because the worst thing that can happen is you die and then you go home <laughs> to a much better place, you know. I mean, hey. I don't know what God's got in store for me. I'd like to think I've got, you know, visions of great ministry and great things happening and seeing America turn around and all these great things. But I don't know. I don't know. There may be some real hardships in our future. You know, America's facing a lot of things right now. And God, let me tell you, is listening very closely to his church. That's right. If my people... He knows what to expect out of the world. How bad does his church want to see America saved? How bad does his church want to die to self? Are we willing to go down a hard road? You know, we haven't, we haven't had any persecution in America. We've got churches in Africa and all around Sudan and other places, people dying left and right, getting their heads chopped off because they love Jesus. And here we complain about an election was stolen or something. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. Father, we thank you for this lesson tonight. Help us, Lord, to understand that we don't know anything except one thing. And that's your good. And you are God. And that's good enough for me, Lord. We place ourselves in your care and in your hands to do with us in a way whatever pleases you. And I couldn't think of a better place to be, Lord. So we rest in that tonight. Whatever it may be, we thank you for it. 
because we know we'll be better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Be salt, be light, and be blessed.